Good morning. I greet you all in the wonderful name of Jesus. And I want to welcome you to, to, to today's broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. I just believe you're going to be impacted by this message of God's unconditional love. Today we're going to continue with our message um, that we have ended last week in Romans chapter 9. And I just believe this is just going to be mind-blowing as we look more into the depths of who God is and just explain some of the scriptures where it looks as if God is this angry God, this God that can just come supernaturally and the sovereign that changes your will and things like that or a God that come and hardens people for His purpose and all those things. So we're going to have a look at that. Um, but before that, we're going to get a little bit into Genesis and the creation of man and just speak a little bit about the value of Man, before we get into that, I want to just welcome every person that is watching Dynamic Web Church today. I want to say what an honor to just preach the gospel of grace to you, to share it with you, and that you are part of this family, this internet family where we can correspond with each other, where we can minister the word of God um, to each other when we um, have contact with each other via the internet. Man, that is just awesome. And everybody that is a first-time viewer of Dynamic Web Church, I want to welcome you especially and say you're at the right place. Today you're going to hear the message of how much God loves you, what is done for you, and that will empower you to walk in the being of God. And that is very important. Now, <clears throat> we're going to get into um, Genesis. Let's just read this where God made man. You know, when God made man, there's some wonderful truths in that. And I'm going to read it from the message translation, which is just so, so awesome. And when we look at this, we can just from here uh, see how valuable we are to God. Let's just read there. It says, God spoke and said, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature. Now, why? So, that, so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of the earth. And God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper, produce, fill the earth, take charge. Be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, um, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Now I just want to read the first part here again. It says, let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the cattle, and, um, and yes, the earth itself. Now that is important to me. When God made man, He made him in the image of God Himself. Now, if you, see, if you think of somebody that builds a house, he builds from a plan. There's a plan, a blueprint that he builds from. And he says, this thing is supposed to be like this. Let's measure out the foundation. It's about, supposed to be 5 meters by 7 meters. And then they measure it out exactly according to that. And then you, you find inspectors that come and they look as, look as if you are building according to the plan. Because... The first thing you do is you draw up the plan, you send it to the municipality, then they look at it and if they say this is good enough, they stamp it as approved and then you can build according because they know it will last and it will be good. And it's not going to be bad to anybody in the area and, um, you know, some, it's not going to be a hazard, it's not going to have any hazard for anybody uh, in the area. So, um, yes, then you must stick according to the plan. So what God did was, 
He built us. He made us from Himself. Himself was the blueprint. He was the plan that He built from. So He looked in Himself and He said, How do I function? I function from out of my being. That's how I live. I don't function from any other way. The way God functions is from who He is. From what He is. From how He thinks. And then uh, the, the Bible said, and this is wonderful, He says, Let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature. So the whole thing about um, rulership and being like God is literally reflecting the very nature of God. So why did God say, let them be exactly the way we are, so that they can be responsible for the fish of the sea? You see, so um, responsibility and every good work and every good deed flows out of the being and the nature of God that indwells us. Hallelujah. You know, last night we've been um, at a birthday, pa- a birthday party. Now I say it's a birthday party. A couple of us just went to a restaurant in the Cape and we ate together and enjoyed and laughed and everything. And then after all of that, here comes a guy, the, the owner of the, the restaurant, and he said, man, he's got a lot of pain in his arm. And the natural thing for all of us is, man, we need to pray for this guy and bring healing to him in the mighty name of Jesus. So that we can rule over that sickness in that man's arm. So that the kingdom of God can come into his arm. That he can experience the love of God, the power of God, and just how good God is. And what's so nice is when I prayed for that arm, man, I somehow gave the gospel under prayer as well. As well, and just say thank you, Father, that you don't watch us, look at our sins, but you look at the obedience of Jesus on our behalf and, and, and all of that. Man, and I asked the guy, how's your arm? And I mean, he was moving it and everything. And then he said, well, I'll tell you later. Now, we didn't, after that we left, but um, while he was still talking, he was really moving his arm and, and, and we could see that there was, it was much better than before. So, but the fact isn't that he get healed or not. That isn't what it's about. What I want to say is, there's a nature that God puts inside a man. When somebody is sick, we're going to pray for him. We're going to minister the gospel of grace to him. We're going to just let him experience God's unconditional love. Hallelujah. That's it, because that's the nature of God. That's how God um, intended for us to live. And the problem then, the thing that happened was, Satan came and he deceived man. He said, you can be like God by knowing right and wrong. Where God clearly said, let us make human beings in our image. Let, the, let us make them in our nature, that they can reflect our nature. And how did God make man that way? Um, let me just find the place here. Well, if you read in, 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 in uh, it's difficult to find quickly in the message because it doesn't have verses. But, um, the way God made man in His image and His likeness was He made him from the dust of the earth and then He blew the breath of life, which was His Holy Spirit, into man and then man was like God, in the image of God, reflecting the very nature of God and that was a treasure in an earthen vessel. That's exactly what it was. Isn't that awesome, awesome, awesome? And then they had the ability to do it. So God wanted man to... Um, to, to be responsible over the fish of the sea and all those things. But he knew that they would not have the ability unless the nature of God indwells them. 
So God said, let's, let's make it easy for man. That's what I read here. Let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and the cattle. And yes, earth itself. Isn't that awesome? That is the unconditional love of God. And that is more than enough reason to just worship God. We're going to go over to worship. And when we worship God, you know, it is from that perspective. God, thank you what you've done for me. God, thank you for your unconditional love. God, thank you for what you have meant to me. You know, um, in the past and what you're meaning to me right now. That I can function from the foundation of you indwelling me. The thing is, when Satan deceived man, man never lost his value. God was, uh, man was equally valuable to God. God, a, a person that we call lost or unsaved, he's got still great value. It's just something very valuable that's lost. That's all it is. So, and that's the way God looked at us. And what he had to give for us was his son to redeem us from the curse of the law, the curse of death. And all those things. And to give us life. Amen. Thank you Jesus for that. Hallelujah. God is a good God. God is a God that wants to give us and has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Isn't that awesome? That is the goodness of God. So we're going to go over to the worship. As we go over to the worship, just enjoy this. Allow this to flood your heart with, with love and, and grace and mercy. And out of that, just worship God for who He is. And after worship, we can have some announcements what's going to happen next week and all of that and what we're busy with in Malmesbury. So, I'm also looking forward to share that with you. But first of all, my heart, as I've just shared this, is full of God's unconditional love and what He's done for us. He's made it easy for us. Amen. So, just enjoy this.
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and of good report, anything virtuous, worthy of praise, think on these things.
Well, wasn't that just so, so awesome? Just to think that we can think of good things. Amen. That is so, so, so good. You know, what we normally do is I make a pre-recording because the program we have does not allow, allow two live sessions or two live broadcasts in one session. So, what I do before the worship, I pre-record about an hour before we start broadcasting. Um, and, then I st- and then when we broadcast, I stand and look at the broadcast as it goes out. And, you know, I just looked at what I said there in Genesis and just touched my heart again. You know, I've just ministered it. Um, I read it, ministered it, heard it again, and it touches my heart. And it and floods my heart that God makes us, He says, let's make man in our image and let him have our nature so that he can be responsible. So, I mean, God doesn't give us a command that we must live out of an ability that is not ours. And the most wonderful thing is that God never (coughs) intended for us to try and obey commandments. But what He was actually saying was, let let us just give Him our nature. And when we have the nature and the likeness of God, we will be people that is responsible, that cares for nature and see that it, uh, that it progresses and grows and it's, it's cared for. Amen. So, God, has, has the, that's why the Bible says He has prepared good works beforehand so that we can walk in them for we are His creation created unto good works. Hallelujah. That's Ephesians 2.10. So, you can write that down. Now, <clears throat> I've had a request. Somebody said to me, uh, Bertie, you know, you're going too fast through the Scriptures. So, yeah, maybe it is so. So, I'll, I'll keep it a bit closer. You can write this down, make your notes. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, the Word of God clearly says there that God makes, uh, Genesis chapter 1, <coughs> that God made us in His image, in His likeness. And then the message translation is so beautiful, so that we can be responsible. And uh, then we can go to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where it says that God is the one that created us for good works. And that just makes sense. He created us for good works. So, <clears throat> what God said is, listen, let's make man in our image, so that he can be a person of long-suffering, a person of kindness, a person of goodness, a person of love, a person that cares, so that they can reflect our image in this world. Hallelujah. When God made us in His image, and everything that He purposed for us is taken up in the being of God that indwells us and who we are. For we are created in His likeness and His image. Amen. Now we're going to go to Romans chapter 9. And uh, we've touched on some things last week of Romans chapter 9. I would like to just elaborate on that. Now before I get into that, I'm just reminded now that... Um, I just want to share with you what our vision is in Malmesbury. I don't know if I shared it last time. We're going to plant a church in Malmesbury. Um, a, good, uh, a good friend now. Uh, first he was just a Bible student, but now he's a good friend. Tabu from Soweto in Johannesburg came down and uh, is now full-time in the ministry, helping uh, to plant churches and those type of things. So we're going to plant a church in Malmesbury and uh, he's going to be the, the leader of that church and we believe that God will raise up a man to take part um, and to take over that church in a couple of months' time. That's what we want to do. And then we're going to do uh, conferences through the Cape area. Um, that I will also go and organize and go and just advertise everything, do the whole thing, arrange everything. So, 
I'm so excited about that because there's so many leaders that need to get the gospel of grace. You know, to plant the church is a very, very big work. It's not easy. And, and I've got respect for pastors and leaders that has planted churches and started churches and that runs churches. But I think it's much easier and can, can be much more effective if we can impact leaders that's already got churches and then do crusades in the area and then see that those people are then uh, going to those churches. Because if we've got a crusade in the area and we've been preaching the love of God for a week, people seeing the power of God, that's what they want in church. They come there because they see the power of God, they hear the love of God, they experience no condemnation, they experience the being of God inside them and God's unconditional love for them. And then there must be a church where they can go and find the same. You know, you will not find people go to churches where they then condemned and, and, and judged and all of that. So, well, I'm looking forward to that and I believe that strategy will work and that it's going to touch the lives of people. So, those of you that want to pray, please pray for that. You know, be part of that. You are part of Web Church um, and I see you just as part of this ministry as anybody else that's involved in the ministry. So, if you want to pray for something... Um, and in that prayer, when you pray, when you hear a prophetic word, when you get a scripture, an encouragement, please send it to our office. Send it, email it to us, contact us, Skype us. We want to hear what, how God uses you as well in this ministry. For I do believe that the Lord will encourage you and, and excite you to uh, give a word or to have some insight in some way. And maybe you've got a plan that says, badly, can't this work or can't that work? You know, um, can't this or that be effective? Yes, we will definitely want to look into that. And uh, I mean, no, the Bible says no man is an island. That means no man has got everything just in himself. We are a body here, and God has given the Spirit, His, His Spirit, uh, to certain people with certain, and, and that enables them and gives them power in certain areas, and to other people in other areas, and we work together as a body in this world. Amen. That is the good news of Jesus. That's what God has given. And that just takes so much pressure off people and everybody can just be who God made him to be in this world. Then um, next week, we're gonna, um, I'm going to Durban. We're flying on Friday. We're having a conference in Durban and I'm very excited about that. It's only two, um, we're going to have three sessions with uh, a lot of pastors and businessmen in a hotel or somewhere that they've, that, that they've arranged. And this is, we, we were supposed to do a crusade just after this conference, but we have postponed the crusade to March next year. Um, because some of the leaders, and this is just the way it is, some of the leaders said, well, they don't know Bertie Brits. And uh, they, they, they've heard negative things about the message of grace and all of that. So we're going to come together. I'm going to share the message of grace. We're going to share the love of God. And I do believe that it's going to touch the lives of many of those people. That we will get a lot of people wanting to work together with us in the crusade. Because there's a businessman that, that's um, drawn a couple of his friends together and they want to do a big crusade um, in that area, hiring a 5,000 seat tent and those type of things. Um, really impacting that area. So, but you know, you can't do a big thing like that and, and on that magnitude when you don't have people that want to work with you. And you know, we want to see those people that get saved have a place where they can go to if they wish to go to church. That there is churches where they can go to and be slotted in. We want to see them part of grace based churches. Our Bible school has also been translated into Zulu. So there are people that are doing the Bible school now, that, that, and, and it's in Zulu. It's awesome to know that that is what God 
open the doors for us to do that. And that is happening at the moment now. So, yes, there's an awesome door opening up in KwaZulu-Natal. So, those of you who want to just pray for us concerning that, please do that. You know, that I want this this um, conference to be successful. We want favor. And I do believe God has given us favor with Him and with men, and that we will see that favor. And, you know, I've, I've preached in conferences, I've preached in churches. And the thing that I've found most of the time is that um, if the message of grace hardens a person's heart, and we're going to talk about that today, if the message of grace hardens a person's heart, or the message of grace comes and offends someone, that, man, it's so difficult to win that brother. The Bible says a brother offended is more difficult to win than a whole city. So, if a guy gets offended because of grace, how are we going to win him? So, the, the, way I which, the way in which I want to speak grace, I want to speak it in a way that can touch the hearts of people. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, um, and when we minister the gospel, we don't want to minister it with arrogance, but we want to minister it with meekness of heart and with an attitude of, man, my brother, you know, there's a time that I've also been in the law, but I want to help you and teach this message of grace to you so that you can have life and life in abundance. That's the whole thing. We want to minister in that way. We can never compromise on what we say. You know, uh, we, and, and this is like um, Joseph Prince also said. He says, man, the Lord said to him, son, preach grace radically. So, and that is exactly what I feel in my heart. You know, it is to preach the grace of God radically in a way that people will not be offensive, eff- offended in how I say it, um, but they might be offended in what you say, and nobody can stop that. I don't even think God can stop that. That is a person in his own heart. If he gets offended at grace, we, we can't help it. But we're not looking as if people are going to be offended. We want to see, and this is what I trust we're going to see. We're going to see favor, the love of God, the grace of God, the power of God in the lives of leaders and businessmen and whosoever wants to visit those, be at those meetings. That's what we're going to see and I'm excited about that. So next, but next week there will definitely be a service. So we will just pre-record it. It will not be live. I will not be uh, in the studio, but in the week I will record it and it will go out. Amen. So, yeah, hallelujah. And I just want to say this to everybody in Web Church. It's, Web Church is such a, a, a wonderful thing to me. It, it feels like I experience stability in this. It's something that's been going now for a while. It's stable. It runs every Sunday. We've got people watching this. People's lives being changed. More and more people starting to watch this. And man, it, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. And I, and I, you know, I've, and this is the way it is. In the beginning you say, man, I'm excited about this and everything. But then it just grows on you. It becomes part of your life. And um, you know, I want to just thank everybody that's involved in this. People that really put their heart into, into Web Church, their finances into Web Church, and, their, and just their life is in this ministry. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. And um, it's awesome to, be, to have you as a part of this family. Amen. Now, let's go to Romans chapter 9. And uh, we're going to read... Now, what I just want to say about Romans chapter 9, before we start to read. Romans chapter 9 basically speaks of the Israelites that got offended, and that's offended because of what God has done, and the way in which God has done it. That, um, that they, they might have said, you know, God, there's unrighteousness with you, because we had the law, and we tried to obey the law. And now you come, and you just give righteousness as a gift 
to people just because they believe in the finished work of Jesus. Now, we will understand more of chapter 9 as we go next week um, or the week after that into chapter 10 and see what God says about Israel and, and all of that and Israel's attitude towards God and, and how they, by the law, try to enter in, work up their own righteousness. You know, and, and this is exactly what Jesus said. There was, um, there was people that he hired at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, this parable about the guy with the vineyard, he hired people at 6 o'clock in the morning and said, come and work for me. And they worked. And then he hired people at 12. And then he hired people at 6 again. Just, be, just in time for pay. Man, <laughs> then the, 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 the people that worked the whole day, they were offended. Because they said, we worked hard and we labored and we were burdened with this work. And now, the, these other guys, they get paid first. And they get paid the same amount as what the guys in the beginning had, you know. So, what God had, and I believe this is, this is what God says about Israel and the Gentiles and all of those. Is, yes, Israel, they were longer in God's service. They were longer part of the covenants, part of all the traditions, part of the law and all those things. God has promised them long ago about Jesus to come and the whole thing. But, what is wonderful about the Lord is, is that He said that I will pay the same or pay the same wages to the person, the Gentiles that came in at the last minute. Just enough for payment. They got it free from works. Works was not even part of it. Um, and what is wonderful is that God, the, the, the owner of the vineyard said to the Jewish people, now I, I just talk, <laughs> this might sound confusing, but he says to the Jewish people, or the people that started in the beginning, he said to them, why are you offended because I'm good? Are you angry because I'm good to people? And he was even good to them. What an honor to be in the vineyard of the master. You know, for all those years. And the, the, what is fair, that's what God gives. And what is fair is, God gives us His eternal life. What's fair concerning the life of Jesus Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for us, it's fair for us to be called the righteousness of God. It's righteous from God to call us righteous. It would be an unrighteous thing for God to call us unrighteous. You know, um, it, it's not the mercy of God that we are called righteous now. It is the justice of God and the righteousness of God that we are called righteous now. It was the mercy of God that gave Jesus Christ. But after Jesus Christ was given, now, because of Jesus and what He's done, it would be unjust and unrighteous for God to call a believer not righteous. It's a righteous thing to call us righteous. Otherwise, it's not fair. It's unfair. If we would be called sinners and unrighteous and all those things. We are the righteousness of God. We receive the being of God and the nature of God. That's what God did. He gave it to us, the, 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 the Gentiles that just came in at the end of the thing. And He promised it to the, to the Jews as well. But they had to seek it by faith. They had to believe God promised us that we will receive righteousness and that we, will, we are His people, all that. And by the promise of God, that's why we'll have it. But then, the rules and laws they received, they tried to, through those rules and laws, receive what God promised to them. So, then Romans chapter 9 comes and he, and he tries to explain these things, that the election of God 
And the way God blesses people is not by works, but by promise and by election and by He decides that's what He wants to do. And that's how we receive the righteousness of God. When, uh, when God chose the people in the beginning, He by His choice chose the Jewish nation and said, or the Israelites, He says, come. Then they didn't seek it by faith. And those that believed, they entered in for God's number one thing that he had in his mind was that no man will attain unto righteousness by the law, but by the finished work of Jesus Christ. And if they said, well, Lord, you know, you promised that we are your nation, you promised, and we believe it because of who you are, even if we do these laws or don't do these laws, we pro- you promised, and that's what we rest on. Like Moses did. You know, and like Abraham did. So, and like what we are doing today. We don't say, God, we, we are your people because we're doing these things. We believe that we're your people because of the things that you have done for us. Hallelujah. Now, I think that is what, what, what Paul wants to bring out here. Now, let's go to uh, verse 8. Romans chapter 9, verse 8. It says, That is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Now what he's saying here is that God made a promise to Abraham and his seed. Now, uh, that seed, the Bible says in Galatians, and I think in Ephesians, but I think it's Galatians, I'm not sure, one of the two books there, it says that that promise was to Abraham and his seed, not as of many seeds, but as to Christ. So the promise was to Abraham and to Jesus Christ, And we are founded in Christ if we believe. So, in that way, we are children of Abraham because we are believers. We can't say that our children, when they're born, they are the seed of Abraham. We don't know if they're the seed of Abraham. They must first see, we must first see what seed's in them. Are they going to believe or not? If they believe, then the seed of Abraham, then they're the seed of Abraham because they are believers. So, um, yeah, that is, that's what he's talking about there. So he says that the physical Israel, that's not called Israel. Israel are those that believe. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. So he says there was a word of promise and by promise they are counted as seed. Okay? And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children... Being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the promise of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calls. So what he's saying here is that when Rebekah was pregnant with um, Jacob and Esau, before they were born, and this is what the scripture says, neither having done any good or evil, before they've done anything right or wrong, God said, I choose Jacob, and the older shall serve the younger, and will be against the laws and traditions of what they were used to, because the elder was the one that had to inherit everything, but God came and He said that I choose that Jacob will be the one that will be blessed, and he will be the one that inherits everything and will carry the blessing, which was against the laws, which was against the customs of that time. You know, the custom of that time says, the law says, the rule says, you do it this way, then you're blessed. And God came and He chose differently. Um, so that, and the reason why I did that was because it's an allegory, it's a picture of 
what happens in the New Testament. God decides that His nation, His people, His blessed people are not going to be those who try and seek justification by the law. But His, His people, His blessed nation are those that, that He chose. And He chose that it would be those that believe. That He just gives it freely as a gift to all of man through what Jesus Christ has done. Amen. Verse 12, it was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. Verse 13, As it is written, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. Now, I had a question in the week about that, and I would like to explain that to you. Because, you know, um, when it comes to, here God says that Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. Um, I, I want to just explain that, because, you know, we can think, you know, what's wrong with God? Because all of a sudden, here He comes, and he hates Esau now. Now that can be also be seen in the same light as with Moses. Now Moses was somebody that God loved. The Bible said that God spoke face to face to Moses. He spoke to him like this. Now uh, that is awesome. And God in the Old Testament definitely never spoke to people face to face. But to Moses. He did. And um, so God really liked Moses. And he revealed his nature to Moses. But then Moses came and when God said strike the rock and that rock was Jesus Christ and the, it symbolized Jesus and that Jesus would be, uh, uh, would be struck and um, then the water would flow out and he would feed the nation. That spoke about Jesus Christ that would hang upon the cross and be beaten and be killed there and then out of him water and blood flowed and that was signified life coming to people and people will live out of Jesus Christ. And then a second time, God said, speak to the rock. Now what happens is, uh, and, and what it symbolizes is in the beginning, God has done everything for us in Jesus Christ, and through that life comes to us. And whenever we come in a situation where we are in need of everything, we speak to the rock. We say, water flows forth from you. And what we do is we put the word, the rock, in our mouth, and we speak it. That's through what we believe and speak. With the heart you believe unto righteousness, with the mouth, mouth confession is made unto salvation, for Jesus Christ shall not be struck twice. Only once. Amen. Because it also says that there's only one sacrifice that's needed for the atonement of sins. Now, um, what Moses did was, he came and he perverted the, the um, how can I say, the picture value, the, the interpretation of this, and, and what the, the significance of this. And then God had to come and show people what will happen if we want to strike Christ again with other sacrifices. In other words, there's one sacrifice, Jesus Christ, and if we want to come and sacrifice Him again or think there's another sacrifice needed, then you cannot enter into the promised land. And then Moses didn't enter into the promised land. So Moses stayed out of the promised land because he, was a, he played a role in what will it mean you know, if you have to sacrifice again, so that we don't have to come with other sacrifices now, to get salvation and to get blessing. And he stayed out of the promised land. And God, by that saying, if you want to sacrifice again, you're not entering the promised land. That doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven. It means you will not experience the kingdom of God by any other sacrifice. And it can even mean that you shall not eventually um, enter into heaven, if you want to call heaven, or life after death, or or immortality, or whatever you want to call it. 
that you will not enter into that because uh, it, Paul clearly says in Galatians, he says that if you go and be circumcised and Christ will profit you nothing. That means nothing. Nothing that Jesus Christ has done for you will profit you. And that is to people that were already saved that went to circumcise themselves again and give completely back into Jewish tradition, believing not at all in what God has done for them in Jesus Christ. So, uh, but Moses, nothing about Moses I want to say. When Jesus appeared in glory and was glorified on the mountain um, with the three disciples there, then appeared with Jesus Elijah and Moses. So Moses was already in the bosom of the Father. He was in heaven with the Father and appeared there God, Moses and Elijah and Jesus. They were all glorified, standing there in glory. So Moses was not in hell because of this thing he's done. But what happened with him on the planet was that he was part of uh, the whole allegory, the whole interpretation I mean, the, the, the foundation that was laid that we can interpret into grace. And th- that's why he never entered the promised land. God didn't have something against Moses as a person. It's like when the Bible says God wanted to kill him because he didn't want to be circumcised. You know, so he didn't want to circumcise his son. It's like with Abraham, want to kill him because he doesn't want to be circumcised. That speaks of something. If you don't want to be part of the kingdom of God, there's no life for you. When, you know, our value doesn't become less because we've done something wrong. The same blood that flowed for me and you, flowed for Pharaoh as well, flowed for Jezebel, flowed for Elijah, flowed for Moses, flowed for for Esau and Jacob, and Isaac, and Sarah, and the, the descendants that came out of Abraham, Ishmael. And all those people, the same blood flowed for them all. They've got the same value. God wants to save every man as a person. But when they were used in the kingdom of God in the Old Testament, things happened there which was an allegory of the things to come. It was a sign of the things to come that had to be interpreted. So, if God comes and He says, I love Jacob and I hate Esau, it is not against Esau as a person. Because they stand for things. But Esau, as a person, God loves him. Now, <laughs> this map might sound uh, contradicting, but let's go to Genesis chapter 25 and verse 23. If Pharaoh must stand, must, must, should have lived today. And even then, you know, um, every man, every life that's inside a human being cannot come from nowhere. It comes from God. The breath that's in us comes from God. So God created every man. If he's a sinner or not a sinner, he has created it. The, the, the world, the whole of creation, everything belongs to God. Um, Every dog that there is, every cat that there is, every bit of life, every bird, every, every living organism, everything is of God. God made it. God made you. He made Pharaoh. And we're going to, if you've got some time, we're going to go and have a look at that in Isaiah 54 
as well, where it says that God made the one that blows the coals, the one that comes and persecutes us, the one that wants to kill us. God made him as a person. God doesn't make what he does, but him as a person, God made him. In the same way, God made Pharaoh. And God made Pharaoh for the purpose of his glory. For the purpose that through Pharaoh, the, 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 the people might be led out. But Pharaoh then hardened his heart. Okay, and the, the, the heart of Pharaoh was hardened because of what God has done. We can go and look at that in Genesis chapter 7 as well. But let's go to Genesis 25 and verse 23. Let's go to verse 21. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated um, of him, and Rebekah his wife conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I this? And she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from your bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now, what, what he was saying here actually is very, very significant. Because it was two normal human beings that would be born from her. And that all of us know. I mean, the one would have hands and feet and eyes and everything, and they will look a bit different, but like, like normal twins, there will be a difference. But they are normal human beings that God loves. But they stand for something. They stand for two nations. Now, you will not find that after this birth, of the birth of these two sons, that there were two nations. There weren't two nations. There was still, still just one nation, the nation of Israel. After that. But they didn't, and, and I, I looked at some of the commentaries, that they don't know what these two nations resemble and what, where these two nations are. Then they say, no, but it actually says two sons. It doesn't say two nations, for she didn't have, know that she have uh, twins, and now he was actually saying to her, you know, there, there are two boys there. You know, you've got twins. Uh, that's why you feel this movement in your bowels. But that's not what God was saying. What God was saying to her is, listen, there's a quarrel between them, for they resemble... Two types of people, two manner of people. Remember what he said in the beginning of Genesis, I will put my being inside you. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, that they can reflect who we are. Okay? And, and there were, they were two different types of people inside her. And, and that, all, all of this is types and shadows. And, um, allegories and signs of things. So, these, these two, God chose that I'm going to love uh, uh, Isaac and I'm going to hate Esau. And this, these two symbolizes uh, two nations. The two nations that there are is the one is of the bond and the other one is of the free. According to Galatians 4, there's another allegory there. Another sign, a type. So, God had nothing against Esau. But the, the taking away of the blessing from Esau and giving it to Jacob resemble something to us. In the same thing, you know, so we can't say, why did God hate Esau? He never hated Esau as a person. He loved Esau as a person. But he said, I hate him, and I put him aside, for God hates self-righteousness. 
He hates the law. It's, it's, it's a, not the law. He hates righteousness that comes by the law and the works of people. Now, the same thing can be seen in Genesis. Now, that one was Genesis 25 from verse 21 on, onwards. And now we're going to Genesis. I think I wrote it down here. No, I didn't, but we'll find it. Chapter 3, verse 15. Listen to this. Verse 14. Genesis 3, 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed above all cattle and above all beasts of the field. Upon your belly shall you go, and thus shall you eat all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise your head and you shall bruise its heel or his heel. So he talks about enmity between seed. And what he said to 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 um Rebecca now we all know that the physical seed there's nothing wrong with the physical seed, but it speaks about the two types of people. The one is a law man and the other one is a grace man. The one was just was the one that did everything right. And he was not blessed. The father liked him for he did everything right, but he was not blessed. And the other one that was actually a scallum, he was blessed. That, 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 that thing's wrong. He was blessed because God chose it. Amen. Hallelujah. So, he was speaking about those things. So, that's what I want to just say about that. So, don't think that God will just go and willfully decide, well, I'm hardening now Pharaoh to show something. No. When it comes to Pharaoh... We can go to, let's go to, 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 to Genesis. Eliana, can you just give me the message there, please? I want to just see what it says there. Thank you. Uh, let's go to Genesis, Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 7. Let's have a look at it. Genesis 7 verse 1 is a very, very important scripture. It says here, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. In other words, here comes Pharaoh. He believed that he was all in all. He believed that he was God. And here comes Moses, and God made him a god to Pharaoh. So that means when Pharaoh saw Moses, he saw him as a threat. Because here's another God now. Here's somebody that says, God says, let my people go. So that makes, that, that brings a clash. And that hardened the heart of Pharaoh. That's exactly what happened. Now let's go down here, uh, let's read on. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he sent the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. Now, so many times we think, you know, God comes and He just works in the heart of Pharaoh not to accept. It sounds like that, but it's not like that. Um, Pharaoh's heart was hardened by what God has done by bringing Moses as a God unto Pharaoh. It was direct competition. Jealousy came in. All those type of things came in. You know, in the heart of Pharaoh. Now, let's go on to verse 13. It says here, And he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he um, hearkened not unto them, 
and the Lord, as the Lord had said, and the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refused, he refused to let the people go. So it says here in verse 13 that God came and he hardened Pharaoh's heart and he didn't want to let the people go. And that word hardened there, um, in the Hebrew means to, to, to resist or to make to be stubborn. Okay? And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. That word hardened is a different word hardened, which, which means to be burdened. So what happens is Pharaoh basically made his heart stubborn. He became stubborn because he was burdened with what he saw. That's what happened. And it is as simple as that. God hardened his heart by what he did. It's like, and, and I said it last time, you know, it's, it's, in a marriage you will find sometimes people argue and they will say, but this one makes me upset. Or he makes me angry. He makes me depressed. And, but it's not actually the person that makes you depressed. You've got a choice. You can, you can come to a place where you say, man, I'm going to hear what God says about me and I'm not going to be depressed. So actually, the person that gets depressed looks at what the other one says and because he looks at what the other one says and focuses his mind on what that person says or has said and then takes that as reality, then depression starts to... heaviness comes into the heart and then that person becomes depressed and then that person might even be depressed and stubborn because of what they heard and saw. In the same, That's exactly what happens here. Pharaoh could have said, man, <coughs> you know... I'm going to let the people go. God has spoken. Let me honor God. He could have done that. But it was a challenge to his kingdom, to the whole dynasty, the whole thing, everything that was there. It would, uh, he, will feel, he would have felt degraded. It's the same way as with, with the Jewish people, the Israelites today. All of a sudden, uh, the, the Gentiles, which they believed were dogs, are now called the people of God because they believed and they didn't even do any of the hard work they did. So that can easily cause hardness of heart in the hearts of people. But, and that's why God says, are you angry because I'm good? Why are you hardening your heart? So the, the hardness of heart that was in the life of Pharaoh was because of the goodness of God. We see it today so many times. If the one guy gets blessed with this or blessed with that, he didn't work hard for it. And the other guy says, man, you can see in his heart, he gets jealous, he gets hardened in his heart. Towards God. That's what happens, you know. Oh God, where are you? you? You're not fair. You've done this for that person, done that for that person. You're not fair. So I just want to just get God off the hook here a little bit because He was not the one that came supernaturally made the heart of Pharaoh heart to prove something. He's not like that. He loves every person as an individual and I believe Pharaoh had just as much a chance as anybody else. And the same with Judas Iscariot. You know, it, it, yes, there was a prophet that said somebody would would deny the Lord and um, go and sell him out. Yes, th- that's going to happen. But through whom it happens, that's for a person to decide. And a prophetic word is just to say that there will be such a person. It doesn't mean that God said there must be such a person and that He's going to make somebody like that and that's it. No, no. It was just a prophetic word of what would happen. Hallelujah. God didn't go and work in the heart of Judas and worked iniquity into him. God didn't. God cannot give somebody an evil thought. For he doesn't have evil thoughts. God never gave... Uh, 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 um, God cannot work in your heart to, and give you rebellion. 
No, no. Rebellion comes out of a heart that cannot face the love of God. That's where rebellion is born. Rebellion is not born in the heart of God. It's born in the heart of man or Satan. It's not born in the heart of God. God cannot give you rebellion. God cannot give you sickness. God cannot give you any of those things. God could not give stubbornness to, um, to Pharaoh. But he said beforehand, I will harden his heart. Like I will say, you know, we will go and we will preach the gospel to the place and, and I, what I'll do is I'll harden people. There are people that's going to be hardened to the gospel. If I go now into a Muslim nation and I'm going to preach the gospel, you know what, there's some people that's going to believe and some people, you know, I'm going to make murderers out of them. They'll want to murder me. The gospel has produced murder. Now, it sounds wrong. And I say this for a purpose so that you can hear the Bible language. It doesn't mean that the gospel produces murder in the heart of a person like it, something evil comes into somebody. All of a sudden he finds he's a murderer because something worked in him. God gave him a demon of murder and now he's going to murder somebody. That's not what happens. The way it works, if you want to talk a bit about demonology and, and if, if, it, if it comes by demons or the works of the flesh, if somebody comes and he rejects the gospel of grace, because he's worked hard his whole life, he becomes bitter and angry and opens himself up for things like murder, drunkenness, depression, all those type of things, and then out of the flesh, the works of the flesh start to manifest. That's how it works. It's not God working it directly into the people, it's an indirect thing because of the rejection of man of the gospel of grace. Hallelujah. I hope you understand this. Let's, let's just um, go back to Romans. There's some other scriptures that I want to touch here, uh, touch on here. Um, let's go to Isaiah 45 verse 5. Isaiah 45 verse 5. And while you go there, I just want to um, just recap on what I've said. What we said was that when it came to um, Rebecca and her two sons, that God was seeing the, the symbol in that. And the reason why it happened that way is it was so that Paul could come and write a letter and say to people in the book of Romans that we can read all our lives that the election of God, that the, the, the blessedness that comes from God is not by what we've done. It's not by our traditions. It's not by our earlier beliefs or the laws or rules or regulations. But the blessings that come, comes from election. Now let me go to Romans again. As we recap, and then we'll quickly go to, to, to um, Isaiah 45. Romans, I've just got 13 minutes left there. Romans chapter 9. Romans 9. Oh, that's another thing that I see here again that I want to talk about. Man, I think we're going to talk a couple of Sundays about this. There's so much power in these things. Um, where is it now? In verse 11, it says, For the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand. Not works, but of him that calls. 
It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, Israel have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he said unto Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then, the, you know, this, this so then, here, and I want to just mark it here. This so then is the whole reason why Pharaoh... Pharaoh's heart was hardened, not by God willingly, but it happened to him. There was a sign. This, this is the whole reason why God said uh, in the, one of those small prophets that um, Esau have I hated, you know, and it was seen by, like that by the prophet um, because, I mean, he didn't get the inheritance and all of that. So that Paul could come and write this, So then, it is not of him that wills, nor of him that runs, but of God that shows mercy. Hallelujah. Everything, all of that was, was signs and types and shadows so that we can have this simple scripture right here in Romans 16, uh, Romans uh, 9.16. So then, it is of Him, not of Him that wills. It's not, man, and the message says it so beautifully. Let me read it there uh, in Romans. It says, it's not your bleeding heart. <laughs> that impresses God. Hallelujah. Man, that is, that is such good news. Romans chapter 9. It says here, Is that grounds for complaining that God is, that God is unfair? Not so fast, please. God told Moses, I am in charge of mercy, I am in charge of compassion. Compassion doesn't originate in our bleeding hearts or moral sweat, but in God's mercy. Man, isn't that wonderful? Compassion does not originate in our bleeding hearts or moral sweat, but in God's mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, that is the good news. That makes me happy. You know, if we can come to a place where we know that God's compassion on us is not in our bleeding hearts. You know, we, sometimes we want to stab ourselves, get our hearts to bleed. Oh God, my heart bleeds for this. Please God. No, that's not what makes God have mercy on you. Or your moral sweat. We've, we've, we've sweated morally. We've, we've, we've sweated in our trying to adapt to good moral behavior in this world. We've sweated. We've tried our best. That is not where the thing lies. The thing lies with a God that decides to be merciful on whomsoever He wants to have mercy. And God decided, and, and this was wonderful, when God said that thing about mercy, He spoke it uh, firstly to the Jewish nation. And when Moses was on the mountain, He said to Moses, Moses, I am who I am and I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. Tell that to people. And we need to know that from the beginning of, of life. And whom He's going to have mercy on is the disobedient, the sinners, the stiff-necked people, those that don't deserve it. That's whom He's going to have mercy on. And He said that to Moses to tell it to the people. And it's, He told that to, 
to Paul to tell it to the people, to remind those that work so hard to get something. Remember, you can work hard, that's fine. But God's having mercy on whomsoever He wants to have mercy. And the choice that God had was to be merciful to all of man and that the people that believe that will experience that mercy. And, and, and then we can actually say God is merciful to those that believe. And the others don't. He's actually merciful to everybody. But those that believe, they enter into His mercy. He's gracious to everybody. But Romans 5 says, by faith we've got access into that grace. So when we have access into that grace and we see the manifestation of that grace and the person who never went through the door, which was Jesus, which is faith in what He's done for us, but still stands in the works of the law and sees the favor of God on the other person, should not be offended because He says, God says, I'll have mercy on whomever I will have mercy. And He decided to have mercy on those that believe and don't seek justification by the, by the works of the law. That's what He decided. Amen. Hallelujah. That's God's choice. That's how God did it. And I'll tell you now why God did it that way. It was number one because he's God and that's what he decided. And when God decides something, it's always to man's best interest. It's always for, for the better for us. Because if, when he decides it is by my own free, by, by my free will, God decides to bless us through an easy way that is maintained in the person of God, that is seated at the right hand of the Father, that it's, all of that is stabilized and made rock solid in the fact that it is all written up in the obedience, death, resurrection of one man, Jesus Christ, where He's seated forever at the right hand of the Father, and this new covenant is to the power of an endless life. What that means is, as long the power uh, manifests in me, uh, as long as what Jesus Christ lives. Amen. And that is for everybody and unto everybody, as long as what Jesus Christ is alive, seated at the right hand of the Father, holy, blameless, where He is, unspotted where He is. Amen. That's what God is saying. And whosoever believes that enters in. Now, that might sound unfair to somebody that's tried very hard and never believed and believed that they were the people of God and the ones of God, you know. And then it comes, and, and, and this is what I want to end off, and, and we'll pick it up there again. And it comes in Romans, <coughs> oh, sorry, in, um, in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. This is what it says. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 8. Talking about the hardening of the heart. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 8. It says, let's go to verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, are we, if we hold fast to the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost say, today, if you hear His voice, now what's the voice of God today? It's the voice of grace. Amen. Today, if you hear His voice, this was written to the Hebrews. This is in Hebrews. This is to the, the Israelites, the Jewish people. This is what it says. Wherefore, if you hear His voice today, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation or the temptation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation. Talking about the other generation again. 
the other type of people that was in Rebecca. You know? Uh, yeah. And, I mean, it, it, it speaks of Esau, the law type of person resembling the law. That's what it says. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And this is exactly the same for us today. We should look at those, these things of the past as signs unto us. It was written for our edification and admonition. What it means is, listen, look at Esau. Look at, you know, a, a man under the law doing all good things. That's not the, 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 the foundation for entering into the promise. God made a promise unto Jacob. That's why he entered in. So let's not be like Esau. That's what the Bible says. Let's not be like Esau. Let's be like Jacob. Let's be a Jacob generation, if you want to call it like that. You know, I don't believe in all that. We are, we, we are Christ generation anyway. But uh, if you want to talk, talk about it, let's see ourselves as part of Jacob. We receive because God promised. Before we've done anything right or wrong, He gave to us by the promise. And He promised that um, everybody in Jesus Christ has, is the righteousness of God. That through the promise was made to Abraham and his seed, which is Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Which was even higher than Abraham. Amen. This is what he, what he came to give unto us. That's the life that He came to give unto us. So let's take this and say, My God, I'm not going to have my heart hardened by you being good to sinners. All I say is, yes, I enter in by the promise. You've promised me in Jesus. I have already been a partaker of that promise. I become the righteousness of God. And all the blessings that pertains to Jesus is mine. Hallelujah. Eternal life, joy, righteousness, peace, uh, power, the Holy Spirit, the nature of God, prosperity, healing, whatever. It is mine because I am in Christ and because God made a promise and it's not because of my bleeding heart or my moral sweat. Amen. So there's no unrighteousness with God in the fact that the heart of of, of, of Pharaoh was hardened. There's no unrighteousness uh, with, with, with God because the scripture says, Esau have I hated. Because of his love for all of men. Including Esau and Pharaoh. Amen. Isn't that good? There's no unrighteousness. God is, is the potter. Out of that one lump of clay, He will create good and evil. Now that sounds very wrong to say God creates evil. But we're going to go, and I've seen we've run out of time, but we're going to go into Isaiah uh, next week, Isaiah 45 verse 5, where the Bible says that I am the Lord God. I create light, and I, or I make light and create darkness. I, make, uh, uh, I, create, I make peace and create evil. I am the Lord God to do these things. You can go and read that in Isaiah 45 so long, um, for homework if you want to do that. And man, just go and see, maybe you see the revelation there, and next week we're going to share on that. Amen. We can also see if we can get into chapter 10. Hallelujah. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. I would love to pray for you, and after prayer we're going to just go over to our song, um, our end song there. But I want to pray for you guys, and just say to you this. Th- this message of the gospel is what sets us free. Amen. This message of the gospel is what gives us life. 
in the week, I want to encourage you, if you want to be part of our discussion on this message, on Wednesdays between 1 and 2, South African time, GMT plus 2, you can slot in. You know, we're going to have smaller groups, so we, for those of you that has been visiting our cell groups, we struggle a bit with Skype when we get more than 4 or 5 people on one line. So we're going to have smaller groups and discuss this and just, man, see if you can slot in there and, and be part of that. Amen. Let's just pray together. Father, I thank you for every person that has watched. I bring salvation to them through this message. I thank you, my God, that they are saved from everything that has kept them back. By simply believing, it was by the choice of God to bless all of man. And whosoever believes this is called the nation of God, God's Israel, the true Jewish people. Thank you for that, my God. I love you and I bless you for this. I bless every person that has watched this. I say you're the righteousness of God. You're the blessed of God. You are the healed. You're the saved. If you've never received Jesus as your Savior, I say this unto you. That Jesus Christ has given you righteousness as a gift. Believe it right now and confess with your mouth that Jesus brought salvation to me. And then it will be yours. Father, I bless all the people that's listened right now in this live broadcast and in the years to come, where they will listen to this on the website, I say you're the blessed of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you so much. We're going over to the song. Remember, you're the blessed of God.